Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Hangry. All right. Well, I am super excited for you. If you have signed up for Intentions and Activations 2020, I've talked about it on the past two episodes family values and muscle testing. So if you want the whole skinny on it, go there. There are just a couple, I think two spots left, maybe one. Um, But if this is calling out to you, I'm going to literally get on the phone with you and plan your 2020 and activate your intentions so that you can manifest them. And we're going to come up with like a whole plan, right? Like I wake up Monday morning, I know exactly what to do for the week so that I end up where I want, right? Throughout 2020 at the benchmarker of the end of each month, moving whatever projects, visions, right? For your health or your career or love or just peace in your life that you are moving those forward so that your life looks how you want it to look. We're going to activate that together. Kind of exciting, right? little bit scary maybe, (laughs) but totally exciting. I have found that most people are actually a little bit afraid of getting what they really want in life, even though they want it really bad. And that's cool. It's all part of the process. But we really want to show up and see how powerful your energy is in manifesting what you want. Once you start seeing things manifest quickly, you realize what a powerful being you are And life is literally never the same. So I am really excited to share my vision framework that I've never shared before with you and to help activate the things that you want in your life. So if that last spot or two, I think is yours, um, you can go to thesoulfrequency.com forward slash 2020 and you and I are going to make some things happen next year. So really exciting. We are heading into the holidays officially. Uh, Next week, we will not have a sessions episode or a interview episode because we are taking the week off for here in the US. It is Thanksgiving time of year and we are going to be with family and enjoy this time. And so this is the perfect week if you have some time off of work or whatever you're doing to listen to episodes that you have not heard yet. We put out two different types of episodes a week. So I know there's so many. I think we're like at 180 some episodes total over the past two years. And if you have missed a week or missed um, any of the sessions episodes, go back and listen to the ones that you've missed. What's really extraordinary is if you just scroll through the list of episodes and just let your intuition choose the episode you most need to hear. Maybe it's one you've already even heard. Just go through and look at the different titles and just allow your heart to pull you to the episode that you need right now and then listen to that one. And if you feel like you need a couple other, just go through and use your intuition again. There's always lessons, right? Even if we've heard an episode a year ago, 
we're going to hear it differently today. So it's a really fun task to just see what is my soul wanting me to hear and how is that valuable for me today? So this is a great week to do that and catch up on some cool episodes. And I want to just say a quick blessing for you guys um, as we head into this season and the end of this year. And just say that I am so grateful for you being here, for you tuning into the show, um, that you are a soul on this planet that wants to evolve and that wants to grow. It is really so, so beautiful. And when we bring all of our energy together here, all of the people that listen in, we are collectively raising the frequency on the planet. And this is such a huge deal. This is not something to take lightly. And so you being here and you listening and while it's so valuable and important in your own personal life, it is valuable and important to all of us, the collective, right? This planet at this time. And so I just want to thank you and bless you um, and just send you so much love, right? Through this microphone in this space and time um, and know that you are important and your energy is important. And I'm really excited for all of the goodness to come in 2020 and as we go through the end of this year. And so thank you for being here. And we are certainly like heading into a time where hangry probably applies. <laughs> and so we, um, we're going to talk about hangry. If you don't know the word hangry, um, it is like kind of a mixture between hungry and angry. And I don't know that we can talk about the holidays without talking something about food. And I know this time of year can be challenging emotionally, um, but food-wise, I think it's challenging for a lot of people, alcohol-wise, right? There are many times in my life where I was half looking forward to all of the food and the other half of me was dreading how awful I would feel afterwards. It was kind of a really not so pretty dance I did with food. And if I can offer any words of wisdom, they are to be courageous with what you need in this holiday season. Like don't act out of obligation. It's never worth it. It is never worth it. You feel like you're saving yourself by just going, okay, I'll go along with what other people want. But the cost of that is the misalignment within yourself. And that often conveys into people, you know, eating more than they want to eat or putting up with things they don't want to put up with or drinking more than they want to drink. All of those ways that we act out when there's a misalignment within us. And then, of course, all of the feelings and emotions that go along with that. So saying no with love, if that is what is true for you, is so, so important. And saying yes when you truly feel something is a yes inside of you. And this is the way we steer clear of so much holiday drama and we remain really true to ourselves. And that is why this episode is happening right now because we are oftentimes at the holidays for many reasons, not just hungry, but hangry, which is that hungry, angry thing that can go on. And if you've ever like snapped at someone and just walked away thinking, oh my gosh, where'd that come from? Like, who was that person? I can't believe like I just freaked out on that person and I felt awful. Um, you might've been in a hangry state, right? Sometimes I know I've had clients tell me like, I am just so hungry all the time. I'm hungry, hungry. Like I feel like I could eat my hand off or something like that. And, and so there are many reasons why we can feel hangry and there are many contributing factors to that in our life. Certainly it's how we're living our life, the choices we're making, are we honoring ourselves? Um, and another huge contributing factor 
to it is hormones, especially for ladies. Um, we need so much more understanding and education on the role of hormones in our health. We are literally not educated on that. And there's so much beautiful education rising to the surface out there. And we're going to dive into that today with my guest. She is Dr. Brooke Kalanick. She graduated from Baxter. She was a director of health and wellness for a chain of fitness centers in Seattle. And there she created and implemented a successful wellness and weight loss program and further developed her expertise in strength training and exercise. Shortly after relocating to New York City, she co-authored her first book and continued to work closely with some of the most exceptional personal trainers in the business. Dr. Brooke was an original advisory board member of the premier fitness resource for women, Girls Gone Strong. Dr. Brooke has been a guest on Martha Stewart Living Radio, featured in the New York Times, and is a consulted expert for a variety of print and online publications, including iVillage, Women's Health Magazine, Fitness Magazine, Oxygen, Allure, and Health Magazine. In 2014, she met with international best-selling author and creator of Everyday Paleo, Sarah Fergoso, and it was love at first sight. They've been working together ever since in their online coaching programs, weekly podcasts, and in their book, Hangry, Five Simple Steps to Balance Your Hormones and Restore Your Joy. You can listen to Dr. Brooke and Sarah each week on their amazing podcast, The Sarah and Dr. Brooke Show. And she also shares some daily insights on her Facebook page and on Instagram. And today she's here with me to talk all about hangry. So with no further ado, Dr. Brooke Kalanick. Dr. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am so excited to talk about this. I've been on your show twice. Yeah. And it was super fun with Sarah and you. And you guys are so fun. I highly, highly recommend your show. You guys just went through like a little rebranding, didn't you? We did in the, gosh, I guess the beginning of uh, 2019. Um, so the beginning of this year, we uh, rebranded right before our book came out. So we used to be called Better Every Day, and that was in a hybrid of my Better by Dr. Brooke brand and Sarah's former Everyday Paleo brand. But now we're just the Sarah and Dr. Brooke show. I love it. And it's bright and colorful. It makes yeah. me happy when I saw it. I was like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. So fun. You guys, like, I love everything that you share on your show. And the two of you together are so much fun to talk to. I had a blast on the show twice. So you guys should oh, good. check out their show. But we are here to talk about your new book, Hangry. Yes. Yes. It's yes. Such a good title. So um, tell us, you know, for those that have not had a chance to listen to your show or read your book, um, what is, how did you and Sarah come together and start, you know, collaborating and what's your journey in, as a doctor and, and helping other people with their hormones and their health? Do you have a personal story behind that as well? Yeah, maybe I'll start with that. Cause I guess that all happened before me and Sarah. And yeah, I think like so many of us, right. We struggled in some way with our own health or happiness or hormones and found our way to what we do now. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs kind of have that great origin story where we found something that wasn't available to us until, you know, until we did some searching. So I started off um, in, as a pharmacist. So I was in like that conventional medical 
you know, model, which in many ways I really loved. And I'm really glad that I have, you know, my pharmacy training and all of that background because I, I, it gave me a really good foundation for what I, you know, grew to do next. But when I was in pharmacy school, it was incredibly demanding. And um, I was sort of falling apart from the stress of it and not really knowing, you know, how to take care of myself. And I, in high school, um, was diagnosed sort of <laughs> really cavalierly with PCOS. I mean, I had it, but nobody really explained what this meant about my female hormones. I just had a really irregular cycle and was going through some of that. And they were like, okay, well, you, now you take the pill. And I was like, okay, I was 16. I did what I was told. And I never reacted super great with that. So I always wanted to come off of it, but I would come off of it and have all these hormone symptoms, right? I had all that PCOS stuff was just waiting for me. And my cycle just never really did very well on its own. So that kind of reared its head bigger when I was under a lot more stress and having a lot of, you know, headaches and fatigue and things like that and blood sugar craziness when I was in school. And of course I wasn't really getting anywhere with the conventional stuff because I was I already had that tool, right? I already had the pill and my blood sugar wasn't really bad enough to need metformin or a medication. And so I was falling apart, not getting great answers and started seeing my mom's naturopathic doctor. And she sort of changed my world, taught me how to eat a little better, balance my blood sugar, gave me some adrenal support, I think some B vitamins. I mean, it was not rocket science, what she did. It was not super complicated, but really, you know, kind of changed my world. And I continued to see her every time something sort of went wrong and for me and my health. And eventually I was like, you know, this is, this really is much more in line with what I want to do. And I felt like I, given that, you know, naturopathic and functional medicine model, I had just a lot more tools to help women with their hormone issues. So I, you know, got into, um, working with women and their hormones, took a bit of a, you know, detour and got really interested in how adding exercise into the work that I did, like strength training with the women that I worked with. And that, you know, kind of training, um, I guess was an interesting thing for me because exercise had historically been something I had always used to sort of be a punishment, right? Like trying to be smaller, trying to lose weight, trying to work off something bad that I ate. And I really wanted to not only heal that for myself, but change how other women are using that incredibly powerful tool. So strength training became a big piece of the work that I did with the women that I work with. And um, Sarah and I, fast forward a little bit, um, met, so we were both speaking at a conference. Um, it's hard to believe it was almost six years ago now because I was pregnant with my little one that just turned five. So wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sarah and I met and we knew we wanted to work together. We really hit it off. Um, we've had similar nutrition and, you know, strength training philosophies and some of the things that were sort of beyond that for both of us. Sarah was a gym owner and a paleo blogger, cookbook, best-selling author. And um, so she and I both had those things. Like I had the functional medicine stuff. So I was talking about the hormones. She was talking about the food and the exercise. And we both really, you know, kind of gelled on that. But the thing that for us was sort of like the additional thing we both really shared was helping women be happier, like working on mindset and working on stress management. Cause we both felt like, you know, we can fairly easy figure out what a, I can fairly easy, you know, look at labs and figure out what's going on with a woman and pick the right tests to order, pick the right supplements, pick some strategies for their nutrition. And it's only a small percentage of women that just leave my office and can just do that automatically, easily and continuously. And so we really felt like um, the work we did together really kind of gelled when we thought about how do we help women just maybe do the things that 
help their health, but do it in a way that makes them happy, not exercise for punishment, not diet for restriction. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we're doing all, sometimes we struggle to do the right things, but even when we get them done, if we're still like miserable, is it, you know, maybe we get a straight A when we go to our nutritionist that we're doing everything (laughs) right, but we don't feel any happier. So that's sort of how our work came together. And right away, we knew we wanted to write a book. So we sort of kind of putting that plan together. And then the work we did over the next couple of years became hangry. I love it. What is hangry for somebody that may not know the word hangry? <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone on the planet, but we'll cover it in case there I is. I think it's the same, right? Like you're so hungry, you're angry. It's that feeling like <laughs> if I don't eat something right now, you know, I'm going to really hurt someone. And I think that for some people, it is that extreme. Like they're just, you know, totally feeling really, really bad. And for other of us, it's a little bit more subtle, right? We might just feel low energy between meals. We might feel like we're losing our memory between meals. You know, like we can't find a word. We're just, we get a lot of sugar cravings, low energy. And that sort of became the title. Our original title was Too Tired to Be Happy, which I think still sort of sums up a lot of what the book was about. Cause we really wanted to talk about all the reasons women are just spread too thin and they're too tired to even live their lives. Right. And so hangry is a pretty catchy title. So that was our agent's idea. (laughs) And it's It's, a good one. (laughs) It's a good one. And then it's called hangry five simple steps to rebalance your hormones and restore joy. And what is so cool about the work that you guys do, because Um, you know, we've known each other for a little bit now Mm -hmm. and I've watched your guys work and got to be on your show and, and, you know, there's so many books written that talk about some sort of steps, right? Like here are the steps you need to take, um, to get healthy. And there are after, especially for those of us in the holistic health ish space, um, you get used to seeing kind of the same steps, right? Like might be exercise or eating, you know, organic food or nutrition. And so when I opened your book and I started like looking through it, you guys have five pillars and they're none of the regular, you know what I mean? Off the cuff things that you, you know, see over and over and over again. We're so cool because like you said, you're really looking at like, what's the root, you know, cause of not feeling happy or feeling too tired to even really be present in your life. Can you tell us like a little bit about each of the five pillars? Yeah. So, you know, like Sarah and I both came from like a paleo background. So there is like that paleo, we're really um, heavy on the veggies. So it's a really plant-based paleo and the strength trainings in there and all of that, we really needed to be customizable. And that's kind of how the book started. It's like, this is how a woman can figure out and sift through all the noise out there about what they should be eating and how they should be exercising for their unique hormone issues. And maybe we can talk about that in a bit, but we put it together. We're like, again, great, but there's so much more. So we were like, well, what are the things that we see over and over again with women across the board? So if you're listening to any of this and you're like, yeah, that's me, you know, you're not alone. We hear the same thing over and over. And so what that became was what we call the five pillars. So these are, you know, the pillars that like hold up the exercise and the nutrition and all those, you know, other things we need to do to manage our hormones. And they make it easier um, in a way, but they also make it just more fulfilling. So without these, the rest of it's a bit of a house of cards, right? Like we can do it for a little while and then it falls apart or we can do some of it, but it never quite all gets dialed in. Or we're one of those people who are like, I'm doing all the things and I'm still not happy. So the five pillars that we came up with, so you know, the first one is finding and committing to what works for you. So 
finding and figuring out like throughout whatever's going on with your hormones, what does it really take? What is it going to take for you to get back into balance and feel better and healthier? And then, you know, what's going to move you and allow you to keep that. So a lot of that is mindset of what helps you keep doing the right thing. So there's finding and committing to what works for you. Then, And that's kind of what the plan in the four weeks of the book takes you through. But then there's the other four. So the next one is opting out of overwhelm. So most women we work with and ourselves included at many times are just overwhelmed with everything on their plate. They're trying to be everything to everyone. I always say women have this curse of like doing it all and then look good doing it. So you need to be doing it all. And then you also need to be in great shape and look like everything is easy and all of that stuff. So within the five pillars, we gave tools for how do you like pull that off? So one of the tools in opting out of overwhelm is really learning how to set your priorities. Like when you look at the things that you feel cause you stress every day, like you know, maybe it's getting your kids out the door. Maybe it's doing, you know, good at your job. Maybe it's doing all of your healthy habits, or maybe it's getting to bed on time or being on the PTA or doing all of this stuff, right. And having a perfectly clean house. You know, when you look at those priorities, like, can you really give yourself a super great reason for why your dishes have to be done every night? Like, is that something that even belongs to you? Or was that kind of how mom did it, right? Or that's how your husband likes it done, or that's how your kids like it. So helping women kind of take the time to see what really matters to them. And if it's something that has to get done, great. Are you the best person to do it? Can we share it, hire it out, get some help? Or there's a lot of things that we do and we feel like we have to do them. But when we ask ourselves, we don't really have a great reason. And maybe some of those things can just go, or maybe they can be delegated to the person in your house that it does really matter for. So opting out of overwhelm is a big one. Part of that, of course, is, you know, getting better at saying no. And that comes with knowing your priorities. Most of us say yes before we even think about it, right? Can you do this, that, or the other? And it's like, yep, yep, yep. And we're instantly like, I'm not sure how I was going to get the other stuff on my to-do list done. And I just took on, you know, a bit more. We don't often like disappointing people. Um, the third one is full engagement living. And I think that is the one that's personally the one I struggle with the most, but I think it's the one that most of us look back on periods of stress or all the stuff that's on our plate. And we're like, we're not even really present. And I see this so much with, of course, our pressure to be on social media and you and I use social media, like to build our businesses. Some people use it to stay in touch with family and friends. There's a lot of reasons we're on there, but it does you know, we know it's just this constant distraction box we have in our pocket, right? This phone pulling us and emails pinging us and social media notifications and text messages. And, and that's just social media. There's certainly a lot of other things that cause us to, you know, distract watching TV, shopping, drinking wine, gossiping. We do a lot of things that sort of keep us from either being fully engaged with the bad stuff because we want to distract and not really deal with some of the stuff we're feeling or keep us engaged even with the good stuff. And Sarah and I both really feel that one thing we've learned is that to really, really get the most juice out of the good stuff, we also have to be willing to be present, you know, with the bad stuff. A lot of us think it's easy to be present for the good, but I don't really want to deal with the bad. And I think all of it, the more we learn to be present with the people we love, doing the work that we do, all of those things, super, super important. And all of those things decrease stress, right? We kind of think of stress as, you know, just certain things that are obvious, like not having enough money or not having enough time. But there's a lot of unspoken things that we're dealing with, whether it's emotional or conversations we don't want to have. And we forget what an effect those might have on our physiology. You know, sometimes you, 
how often do we go to our, you know, functional medicine doctor or nutritionist or whatever, or even after reading a book and think like, you know, maybe the difference between, you know, lowering that number on your lab value a little bit or um, losing those last five pounds is a conversation we didn't have, right? We're always like, I need to cut some carbs or I need to take this magic vitamin or I need to change this about my exercise. And so much of it is really that's in that psycho-emotional realm. And we sometimes really forget to look there. So part of full engagement living, of course, is dealing with some of that stuff. And then the next one is be your best friend. So we have so much nasty chatter and banter in our heads and starting to opt for less of the critical voice and more of what would your best friend tell you to do and being that person, that cheerleader for ourselves. And then the very last one is be who you are. And that was really not only born out of like trying, wanting women, to, I want, we want women to have just more confidence to just express who they are, own their truth, be able to say what it is that they want, what's important to them. This kind of comes into when you know who you are, you can, um, you know, say no a little bit easier because you're very clear on your priorities. But the other thing is we work with so many women, you know, that into their 30s, 40s, 50s that are like, you know, I know everything about how my boss likes things done. I know how my husband likes things done. I know what my kids like, and I don't even know what makes me happy. I maybe used to have a hobby when I was younger and I've gotten away from it because I don't have time. And we're so used to doing things as a means to an end, right? We're used to getting the laundry done so that the kids have clean clothes and getting our dishes done so that we can make breakfast in the morning and taking our vitamins and doing our work and answering the emails. And we don't often engage in hobbies or play or things just to do them because we f- they feel good. So part of being who you are is, is, you know, knowing that, knowing what you like, what makes you happy, and then making time for it and making sure it fits into your priorities. So that's my little spiel on the, on the five pillars. And, you know, I really, we really love talking about them so much. It's funny because I consider myself like a hormone expert, but I could talk about this stuff like all day. Cause it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, you can go to the doctor and I think we, I think, you know, rather than dealing, like you said, you know, to be present for the good stuff, but also to be present for the tough stuff, it would be so much simpler if like a supplement would take all this stuff away, right? Like the overwhelm. It'd be so much simpler to just go and get a test and be like, right, I need to take a pill or I need to do, you know, something that seems like the magic solution, but really, you know, we have to be in our life and we have to know who we are. And I think, you know, more and more we're discovering how that goes hand in hand, because like you said, you know, what is it that makes people you know, not stay committed to their health goals or to not, you know what I mean? Have Mm -hmm. that longevity with something. And it's all of these things that are in the five pillars that sneak in. And I think, you know, in the same way that I was thinking as you were talking about hormones too, it's, it's not like, I think for most people's story, it's not like you wake up one day and are in the throes of symptoms of hormone imbalance where yesterday everything was perfect. It's like something that comes on for a lot of people, like over a long period of time, right? And it's like little by little by little, and we just are surviving and adapting and, you know what I mean, making, Mm -hmm. just getting by, right? And it's like, it's not only, it's not until you look back and go, oh my gosh, like I don't do this anymore. Oh my gosh, I'm angry all the time. Or, oh my gosh, this is going on in my body. And so I'm wondering like, because it does come on subtly, I think that it's missed for a long time. And I'm wondering if you have like 
some common symptoms. So for if someone's listening, you know, I think that, that's the aha moment for people is like hearing somebody go, oh, are you going through this and this and this? And all of a sudden it's like, yes, all of that, right? Yeah. And yeah. then you start asking for help. Right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think that the biggest thing for women to think about is, and you know, this is, there's usually two scenarios where things get missed. And so maybe going through some of the symptoms first. So fatigue, that doesn't seem to match like the fact that many women are getting some sleep, but they're not, they're still really, really low energy. And, you know, fatigue can be a symptom of so many different things, but I think we just, why we say don't confuse common with normal. Like, well, when all your girlfriends are tired, you're sort of like, yeah, it's just how the people feel, right? Um, so fatigue, any digestive issues, insomnia, mood changes, you know, anxiety or lower mood, anything going, I think I said digestion, anything going on with your skin and anything going on with your period. So PMS, changes in flow, is it heavier? Is it lighter? Is it becoming a little more irregular? Do you have more symptoms, more breast tenderness, more pain, more clotting, more cramping, more headaches, any of those things. And what tends to happen for women, basically, if you have a new symptom, and it comes up one day and it leaves. Okay, fine. But if it's like, this is this like little nagging thing and it becomes like, oh, it's not life-threatening, right? That I have PMS. I'm just going to kind of like, well, I'll deal with that later. And so a lot of women are like, I will deal with that when we get through the holidays. I will deal with that when I get through this promotion at work. I will deal with that when my husband's schedule is better. I will deal with that when we get our kids through this, or I will deal with that after I get my you know aging parents taken care of. And we just put ourselves on hold for a long time. And what happens with hormones is it starts off as something that's a minor imbalance. And then hormones are so interconnected. So when you go through a period of, let's say, you know, high stress, because your nutrition wasn't great, your blood sugar was all over the place, it affected your sleep, and you just sort of didn't know what to do with it. So we give into it, you know, you quickly have an impact on your thyroid, on your female hormones, on your digestion, all of these things. And it becomes, you know, in time, now you've got a lot of hormone imbalances. And that's when most people come to me. Most women, I'm not their first stop, right? They've tried to maybe get help somewhere else or they've sort of put things on hold. And that's part of being your best friend, right? If someone, you know, like if Sarah comes to me and is like, hey, I'm having this symptom, I'm not gonna tell her, well, I'm not gonna not help you <laughs> until, you know, my kids graduate from school, right? I'm not gonna put her on hold. And so part of being your own best friend is of course, not being rude to yourself and taking the time to listen. And, you know, I always say that your symptoms are just, that's just your hormones talking. And we start to kind of hate our symptoms, <clears throat> excuse me, or we hate our hormones. And we, you know, kind of fight with ourselves instead of being our own best friend and really listening to those messages and, you know, heeding the fact that something might be going on. And then the other scenario is women are listening. And maybe it's not right away, but they're listening and they go into their doctor and they're like, okay, I'm feeling you know, X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, a lot of them are told, well, I checked your test. Everything is fine. Nothing's wrong. Um, or, you know, all women feel this way. Or my favorite is, you know, you're just getting older. And so some women really have tried to advocate for themselves. And based on our unfortunate conventional model, sometimes they're, many times they're, you know, <laughs> uh, concerns were not heated. And so then they're sort of left with, well, I don't really know what, what to do or what, where else to turn. So in those two situations, then of course, things just get from those initial symptoms, which aren't that big of a deal, quickly turn into like widespread hormone disruption. And for most women, that's where it gets really confusing because maybe now they are getting some information and they're like, okay, so I've got, you know, some stuff with my adrenals. I've got a, you know, 
I've got a low thyroid. I'm going through perimenopause. And so I'm reading on the, on Google that like, I should be doing this for going through menopause. Maybe I'm supposed to try keto because my metabolism is slowing down because I'm losing my female hormones, but I'm not supposed to go too low carb because I read that's really bad for your thyroid. Well, I've got both those things. So now what? And so that's what we really wanted to do with the book. And so the way I do it in my office is we treat it on a hierarchy. Like I, you know, help women with those most delicate hormone imbalances first. And so that's exactly the way we laid it out in the book is kind of taking your symptoms, figuring out what's going on, those little messages that you're getting from your hormones. Maybe you have some testing to back that up. Maybe we're basing it on your symptoms and you kind of go through it step by step so that we don't do something that might agitate a, a different hormone, right? It's like pulling on the, like a thread of a sweater. If we don't know which thread to pull, you're going to unravel the whole thing. Interesting. And what do you find like with most, is there something, I just want to get a, is, is there something that's most common that kind of starts the cascade that you see in your practice? It's almost always stress. Mm, yeah. Of some sort, you know, you go through um, a rough illness, like you get Epstein-Barr virus, or you go through having a newborn baby, or you go through a big move, or you go through a divorce, or you go through something, or you change jobs, um, you go through something, or like a child is ill, you know, you go through something, or you write a book, <laughs> you go through something. Or you write a book. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're like, and most, you know, most times when you talk to a practitioner, they don't necessarily go back to that. Something, you know, I always ask, it's like, first question, when did all this start? Well, started right after, you know, I wrote this book and I went into like, you know, got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So I would say if there's one common thing, it would be stress. The next one or possibly tied for that would be inflammation. So if you're getting inflammation from not getting enough sleep, eating foods that don't work for you, um, having an unhealthy gut, having um, over-exercising, having any kind of like stealthy infection, whether that's digestive or something chronic like Epstein-Barr is another good example. Um, those two are probably the root causes of most other hormone imbalances. So, so like when we talk about hormones changing, like for women, you know, in midlife, like going into perimenopause and menopause, I mean, I don't know that it exists, that there are people out there that don't have, you know what I mean? some kind of co infections or stress in their life. I mean, I don't, I don't know people like this. <laughs> they don't have like <laughs> stuff Unicorns. going on, yeah. but like theoretically, um, would, you know, what would that transition be like without these other factors? Is that something that, you know, is talked about or studied? Well, I mean, in our book, we talk about that last, which is kind of funny, right? Because we wrote a woman's hormone book, and it's not until the very last week of the program that we even talk about women's hormones, because those other hormones really trump those in the sense that they have such a profound, like insulin, cortisol, thyroid, inflammation, they have such a profound effect on our female hormones. So some of our, like the time in which you go through menopause is somewhat genetic. It is often tied to, you know, around, like we'll go through it around the time our mothers went to it. However, we have um, a different environment. We have a lot more, um, many of us have more stress in some ways. Many of us are doing more roles like working and mothering, um, things like that, or working to, you know, multiple jobs. And um, we have we've put ourselves in, a, I think, a, some more stresses in some ways. That's not true for across the board, but that is true for, for many of us. Um, and we have a lot more sources of inflammation. Our food supply has changed. It's changing rapidly. And so foods that maybe our grandparents or our mothers ate, like, let's say, wheat, were not as 
problematic for them is our modern day gluten, right? So sometimes we've changed foods, you know, we've also changed farming. And so there's more hormones in a lot of the things that we eat. And then we're also in completely in a wash of endocrine hormone disrupting chemicals, right? We've got estrogen-like stuff in our water, in our water bottles, in our makeup, you know, all sorts in the animals that we eat. So for women now, a couple of things to think about, like you will go through some fluctuations in hormones. There's no diet that's going to stop menopause, right? There's no, you know, magic supplement that's going to make us not go through a transition, but there are good tools in, you know, natural medicine to help with that transition. But also some of the things that, you know, I always like women in their forties to do is be really mindful of inflammation and stress and like our toxic beauty products and doing the best we can. Now, when I say that, I I know women are like, well, there's plastic all over. There's all of these chemicals all over. You cannot avoid it all. This is simply the world (laughs) that we live in, but you do the best you can, right? If there's, you take a few steps and then in a few months when you're ready to maybe clean up a different part of your lifestyle, you do that. Um, But really watching stress and inflammation because your adrenals, a couple things are gonna happen. When you go through hormone fluctuations, so initially going through perimenopause, you're going to have some ups and downs in estrogen. You're going to have actually some surges in testosterone and then a decline pretty quickly of progesterone. This changes your metabolism drastically because this will, those changes will impact insulin and cortisol. So your stress hormone, your blood sugar hormone, and that tends to change like how we gain weight, where we store weight. Um, and our metabolism just really changes. And then eventually estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone go down. But during that transition, it's when we have the most symptoms, this is also a really important time to support our adrenals because your adrenals as well as peripheral tissues are gonna try to play backup for you during this transition and give you some more sex hormones. So the better they're doing, the better your transition's gonna be doing. And inflammation comes into here as well. I always call inflammation the great hormone mess maker doesn't matter what hormone we're talking about, inflammation's gonna make it work less effective, right? So for perimenopausal and menopausal women, hormones are going down. But even for women who are younger than that, if you've had a blood test where you got a hormone tested, thyroid, estrogen, whatever, let's assume they were tested properly, estrogen, progesterone tested on the right day, and it was normal, but you look at a list of, let's say, low estrogen symptoms, and you've got everyone in the book, inflammation is a really good thing to look at because when we have inflammation in our body, it really, you might make the hormone and you've got it around, but it's not having the same effect. So you've got it, lab tests look okay. You get told nothing's wrong, get out of my office. And inflammation is one of the things that can really hinder, you know, the efficacy and the work that that hormone can do. So those are really important things for women's hormones in general, but stress and inflammation Um, are really important during that perimenopausal transition and really important things we can do to, you know, help that transition be, you know, good. And mentally, I think this is, again, we're hopefully all going to go on to our um, later years. So this is an important transitional part of that. And I think it has some downsides with, we have a very youth obsessed culture. So there's some stuff that we go through as that transition, but I think part of what um, women who are older than us know is that they're, you know, they have less time for not being themselves and they have less, you know, time to not be their best friend. So hoping to kind of get some of those things to women, you know, earlier too, because that was part of what will help us get through any type of transition. 
I love that. And I think like the point you're making too is like transition is the transition is going to happen. And how do we support that on every level of our being to make it as smooth as possible? What are the, um, some of the things that someone could do, um, to lower inflammation or where are the areas we should be looking if we feel like we have inflammation? Yeah. So some of the, I mean, Obviously, if you've got like a chronic infection or something like going on in your gut or with your immune system or autoimmunity, you're going to want to work with somebody and probably, you know, try to figure that out and improve that balance. Um, But the things we can all do, get enough sleep. You know, we really prize being busy and, you know, not taking the time to rest and recover. Lack of sleep is hugely inflammatory. And most women will notice, myself included, you know, with every passing, what feels like months, certainly with years. If I am not getting enough rest, I am so much puffier the next day, right? I can just see that inflammation around my eyes and on my face. And um, so inflammation from not getting enough sleep is huge. Inflammation from stress in general, you know, initially our stress response is anti-inflammatory, but that chronic stress that most of us are under becomes a big source of inflammation. And probably the next one is, you know, eating foods that don't work for us. So if we're eating... And it could be anything, right? Gluten, dairy, eggs, whatever. If there's a food that really bothers you, um, and maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But um, if you know, food sensitivities um, are definitely something that cause most of us, you know, some sort of inflammation. And food sensitivities are not the—they're not a root cause. They're sort of a symptom that something else is going on in your gut or with your immune system. But when we continue to eat food that doesn't work for us that will continue to drive inflammation. And over-exercising and under-exercising. So exercise is a real, you know, a real powerful medicine. It can be done correctly to help lower inflammation. And many of us can overdo it and further drive inflammation. So those are all things that we do. I see women most often um, kind of in the modern world, you know, drive inflammation for us. Yeah. And this is what's helpful about like working, you know, working with you, working with someone who understands like, because like you said, if you know, you're going to Google or you're reading articles and you're thinking, oh gosh, it seems like, you know, if I eat this, it's going to fix that, but then it might also hinder this over here. Mm -hmm. It just becomes very confusing because obviously everybody is unique and an individual and needs an individualistic approach um, which I know you guys talk about in the book because one size doesn't fit all. And that's why I love the first pillar being find out what works for you because just because something he- is healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for your body. And if your body is having a reaction to it, then that's not the answer probably for you. So I think, you know, I think going through, um, just really taking the time to to get the knowledge and the understanding. Certainly getting testing done is helpful by, you know, the right person, somebody who's in the functional space um, like yourself who can really, um, really look at the optimal markers and not just, you know, the regular conventional standard um, idea of what is normal and get to the root causes of what's really going on in your body is I think the gift that keeps on giving and, yeah. you know, working with somebody who understands that and can take you through like the different things that you're going to come up against, right? Which is like, 
feeling overwhelmed, not having time. Like, how do I structure my life around this? How do I fit new, you know, ideas and principles into my life? It's like all of that is part of the process and it's a beautiful process. And it's something that does have us, I think, you know, back to being able to say no and knowing what your boundaries are. And I think you just get stronger in every way when you start taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I think for whatever reason, you know, I don't work with men, so I don't know that I understand their struggles as well as I do the struggles that women have, but it seems that caring for ourselves is this weird thing that we, I hear women saying all the time, well, you know, I need to take care of myself so I can be a better mom. I need to take care of myself so I can be a better partner and take care of myself so I can be a better daughter or a better employee. And that's all really noble and great. But I always want to remind women that you can take care of yourself just because you should take care of yourself, right? We don't, it's funny. I would never hear like, I've never heard a man say, I need to go golfing so I can be a better husband or I need to go, you know, have like, it's, it's about like, they, there just seems to be a bit of a difference between the sexes when it comes to um, like, I'm going to do this because I enjoy it. Like that being your best friend and being who you are seems to come a little, especially the being who you are seems to come a little bit easier for us. It seems to be tied up in this, like, well, I need to do this so I can take care of other people. And, you know, we just, you deserve to be taken care of because you deserve to be taken care of. And of course that makes us a better wife, mother, partner, employee, sister, daughter, all of those things. But, um, you know, it's, it really doesn't have to be tied to trying to be better for anyone else. I love that. It's so beautiful. So you guys run out and get yourself a copy of Hangry, Five Simple Steps to Rebalance Your Hormones and Restore Joy. And where can they find out more about your individual and group programs? Yeah. So Hangry is available wherever books are sold. There are There's more information and a lot of the resources that we talked about in hangry at our joint site, which is sarahanddrbrook.com. We do have our weekly podcast, which is the Sarah and Dr. Brooke show. You can find that anywhere. If you're going through the program and you're like, this is, you know, it is a lot. There's a lot of meat to this book. Uh, We do have an online like self-led coaching program. We've taken thousands of women at this point through the book program. And so we put together an online program you can get that at Sarah and Dr. Brooke, or you can get that at my site. If you need any more information about me, my blog, working with me, those sorts of things, I'm on, on the web and on social media at Better by Dr. Brooke. So awesome. Now, this is the part where we're going to ask you the four questions that we ask all of our guests. Are you ready? I'm ready. We're putting you on the spot. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, This is based on a process I take people through called the anatomy of transformation. It has four steps in the process. And it's just an opportunity for you to share a little bit about your personal journey. So the first question is, what is a big truth that you've come across in your life that really changed your life for you? Oh gosh, that is probably actually what became one of the pillars was being your best friend. I um, definitely have a very loud and to this day still there, very internal, a very unhelpful, critical internal voice. And I've done enough work to know where that comes from with my childhood and my mother and all that stuff. And I, in my, I guess like late 20s, I started really having to take a look at, like, I had done enough, like, therapy and counseling to know, like, where it came from, and I felt like I had a lot of understanding about it. I had a lot of empathy for my mom, but I still wasn't sort of getting to the next level, and that became a real daily process of literally just trying to change my thinking, and I still have to really work on it, and it's easier, and it's better, but for me, when I do that, um, and I would say part of being my best friend for me personally is 
just being in integrity. I find that any stress or anxiety that I have, not any, but a lot of stress and anxiety I have um, comes from an area where I don't feel like I'm really living my truth or really, you know, being who I want to be in the world. And understanding that gives me a lot of power to decrease stress and anxiety because I have that understanding. And when I feel that unease, I can look and be a better friend to myself, kind of drowned out the quiet, the critical voice and um, live more in line with, with what I believe. Hmm, so beautiful. And what is it for you? The second pillar is release. So when you look back at your journey, what is it that you feel like you've released that really like opened you up um, to a new, a new step or a new up leveling in your life? Hmm, that is a good one. Um, sort of on the heels of the last one. And I would not say that I have totally released this by any means, but um, the thing that I'm, I would say, actively working on releasing is needing everyone else's approval. And this does not come very easy for me at all. <laughs> and I think you throw yourself into like the entrepreneurial world and putting your work out there, social media. Um, I sometimes laugh that I have put myself in a situation where I'm going to be judged on um, how my body looks because I talk a lot about fitness and I used to talk more about weight loss. I don't talk about that as much anymore and how smart I am, which are probably my two biggest insecurities, right? So I think it's interesting. I've brought into my life, I put myself in this like fitness wellness space where those are the things we're judged on, right? Um, so I think I've given myself um, a lot of heartache by choosing that path. Sometimes I'm like, why didn't I just become a lawyer? Um, <laughs> but, but I think I've also, I don't think that stuff happens by accident, right? I think no. I, cho I chose exactly the things I needed to heal and probably the things I need to help the women I work with heal as well. For sure. So, and congratulations, because sometimes like the biggest path is not always the easiest path, but it's the one that's going to like cause you to grow the most, right? Yeah. And and get to that self-acceptance. So that's awesome. So the third pillar is experience. And as we start to release things, um, our experience of life changes. And so what would you say, like looking back at the you, let's say 10 years ago versus the you today, what has changed in your life experience? Hmm. These are really good and really tied together. I feel like they're kind of flowing really well from Thank one to the you. other. Um, I think that, um, part of like worrying what other people think is my like pathological need to be perfect. Um, that I have really, I mean, it's funny that my brand is better because part of that was like me having to let go of the idea of perfection. And obviously the women that I work with, many of us feel like we have to be perfect. And for me, like having children, which is a job, um, that you do not do perfect, no matter how good at it you are. Um, it's the job that's like the most important thing to me, the one that I fail at every single day, but I keep showing up and trying really hard. And being a mom was not something I necessarily knew I wanted to do. Um, I'm so glad that I did it and I don't know what I would do without my girls, but, um, being a parent and having to continue to kind of like show up every day imperfectly has been a real gift to me. And it's really changed how kind of how I do everything. Um, it's interesting because I think my being a mom logistically and just the expectation of it is hugely stressful. It was just stressful on your body to have a baby and to breastfeed a baby. Um, but what it has 
it has actually helped lower my stress because I've had to learn to be more present. I've had to learn to let stuff go. I've had to learn to get over my ego, right? Like you're not going to have an ego fight with a two-year-old. You will lose. Um, <laughs> you know, like I might, I might have to be like, I am going to have to be willing to be wrong on this one or to let it go. And so actually being a mom's really helped me with, with that. That's so true. And someone once said to me, it rounds your square edges. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. It is. I love that. <laughs> you gotta just say you learn to roll with things in a whole new way. So I love that. That's beautiful. The fourth pillar is a line. And this is the part where it's like, you know, we've evolved, we've stepped forward, we've grown in these ways. And what is it that keeps you aligned? What is it for you that keeps you on the path of, you know, of having that critical voice not be so loud, of feeling like it's okay that I'm not perfect and to keep going and moving forward? Um, I think this one goes back to the integrity thing for me. So, and it's been interesting because I think it's easy to say yeah, I practice everything I preach. And I think it's easy to say kind of behind closed doors, like, oh, I do all of these things. And that's kind of my persona on Instagram and, you know, my website, like I've got it all figured out. And one of the things that Sarah and I are so committed to is we are 100% honest that we do not have it all figured out, right? I know a lot about hormones. <laughs> I'm very confident in my expertise. Um, but when it comes to all this life stuff, we, um, are very straightforward in the work that we do that we are, we don't have it all figured out and we're not perfect. And as soon as I start to present myself as perfect, I feel really icky. And I know that's like that integrity thing that goes on for me. And it was interesting going through the book launch and we had some things we wanted to do with the launch of the book that would have helped market it. It would have helped to get the word out. It was certainly things people who have been far more successful than we have told us to do. And when it was coming up to it, we were just at our wit's end. You know, we weren't getting enough sleep. We were super stressed out. There was all this stuff going on in our personal lives at the same time. And we had to kind of honor the fact that like we are showing up for women um, consistently imperfect. And if we kill ourselves basically to launch this book, we are not doing anybody a service. And maybe we'll sell a few more books and maybe we'll get the word out there a little bit more. Maybe this book will help a few more women. But if we do all the stuff we would tell you not to do, then we're not in our integrity. So that's been a, um, I think it took a long time to listen to what that meant for me. Um, Cause I'm a real, <laughs> I will work myself into the ground pretty easily. Not so much anymore, but I've done it so many times in the, in the past. And so that temptation to just push for the sake of, um, you know, the work um, that we believed in, you know, we both said, no, we have, so we canceled two big things that we were going to do. And people, of course, gasped, like, you can't not do that for your book launch. And we're like, well, we have to, because we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of our family and we have to take care of our sanity. And we have to, you know, be the example for other women that like doing it all. And with that badge of honor is, is really not what we want to teach women. It's so beautiful. I love that you shared that. And it's so important. And I think this goes back to two, defining like what works for you and committing to that. Because I believe that the right people that need you find you. Like yeah. it's like an energetic thing, right? Like we feel attracted to something and we're like, oh, and and we find our, our way to the right things. And if we trust the process, right, then we know like I'm helping the people I should be helping right now. And they're finding their way to you. And that's all that really matters. Like that's showing up in the world. And yep. so many people, you know, 
literally do tear themselves down, right? Doing things like book launches or running their businesses, even if it's not, you know, a business like we have, like any business or Mm -hmm. doing their job, you know, and feeling like maybe they need to keep going or stay at work late, right? Till seven or 8 PM because they have to get something done that day even though they're tired, even though they're hungry, even though it's not what's good for their body. And when we do that, we're not really trusting, right? We're, we're in usually states of fear, like, oh, if I don't do this, what's going to happen, right? Instead of in a state of love, which is, okay, I'm going to leave right now. I could keep going, but I'm going to leave because that's not what's good for me, right? And I love myself and I'm my own best friend. So I love that you shared that. I love that you guys made that decision to do that. And I really think that all good things flow from that, right? In its yeah. own right time. And that when we trust the process and we say, you know, maybe this isn't it right now, um, but I know in its right time, it all flows to me when I stay in my truth. I mean, that's really why I feel like we're here is to discover what that is and mm-hmm. to stay aligned with it moving forward. So I think yeah, that's amazing. And it's not always easy, right? Heck <laughs> to do no. that. It's In not fact, most of the time it's not, either. right? It's not. Right. It's not. It's like, you know, it's like the ultimate test of walking through life. Can't, you know, how committed are you to staying in your truth? And you're going to have, you know, all kinds of circumstances that test that to strengthen that muscle like within us. And everybody's on that journey, like whether they realize it or not, right? Whether they're completely yeah. shutting it out and ignoring it. Um, it's just, you know, what's going on on the planet right now. And so, you know, to be able to stand in a place where you can share that with others and to be able to continually, you know, get back on when you fall off and get back on and get back on yeah. um, to that truth is is what the journey is about. Nobody's like 100% in their truth all the time. Like- right you know, you've, it's the, I think the biggest thing is how quickly can you recognize that you're not? Yeah. And, and make a new choice, right? (laughs) When it's funny, anytime I make some sort of declaration like that, like I'm going to do this thing, or, you know, I'm totally committed to this thing. I feel like it's hysterical to me. It's like, I can count on this more than I can count on like the sun rising. Like as soon as I say that out into the universe, then immediately I feel like there's like, Oh, really? how are you going to handle this? And it's like within 48 hours, there's this opportunity that tests me in such a big way. And I used to be so frustrated by that. I used to think, oh my gosh, I'm finally took this big step and I'm doing this thing. And then I got this big challenge that's going to ruin it all. And now I'm like, oh, there's that opportunity to see if this is what I really want. And if I'm going to be in integrity about it. So awesome. I love it. Thank you for coming on the show and hanging out with me and for you and Sarah for writing this book and for showing up and putting it out into the world. I absolutely love the title, Um, but even more so, I love all the information that's in the book. So I appreciate you you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been super fun talking to you. So you guys, one more time, it's called Hangry, Five Simple Steps to Rebalance Your Hormones and Restore Joy. Run on out and get yourself a copy of that. It's super important information. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Brooke. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes.